Today on Hardwired. John's description of the harlot carried on the back of the beast suggests a demonic duo, one political, the other religious. So you've got the Antichrist and what Revelation identifies as the false prophet works right alongside Antichrist. That false prophet is a religious figure overseeing a religious movement. You are listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire, the founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Maybe you've noticed that our culture is pretty messed up these days, which makes people feel anxious and filled with questions. They want peace, but have a hard time finding it or making it last. Well, Pastor Jeff is going to share in the message today about how you can finally be filled with hope, security, and most importantly, that peace you're looking for. We know that you're going to enjoy the message, but you can also listen to it again or any of the messages anytime you would like at our website, hardwired.org. Let's get right to the message. Here's Pastor Jeff to tell us what's coming up today on Hardwired. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, we're coming down to the final chapters of the incredible revelation that Jesus gave to the Apostle John. And last time we talked about Babylon and how Babylon is going to fall. And actually, in the book of Revelation, we're given two types of Babylon. The first type in Revelation 17 is a spiritual Babylon. We talked about the fall of that one last time, and that is the empire of the Antichrist, spiritual Babylon is going to come crumbling down dramatically. But then in chapter 18, we have physical Babylon, and John is going to predict that there's literally going to be a rebuilt city called Babylon in the last days, and that too is going to crumble and fall. So let's grab a Bible, something to write with, and get right to the message, Babylon is falling. The book of Revelation is so, well, it's long for one thing, 22 chapters. And it's got so much in it that it's really easy to lose track and forget in the jumble of information what we've already learned. So I want to review. Chapter one, we see Jesus Christ manifested in all of his resurrected glory. And that is the vision that John is greeted with. Not the Lamb of God that was walking around on earth healing the sick, raising the dead, the meek and mild Lamb of God. But now, hair like wool, eyes like fire, feet like brass, voice like a Niagara Falls, and it's the resurrected Messiah. Very different. Then you go to chapters two and three, and Jesus is talking to seven different churches and telling them different things regarding themselves. One thing we do note he sees exactly what's going on in every one of them. As a matter of fact, he starts all of them with this phrase, I know your works. I know your works. I know what you're about. I know what you're doing. I know your works. So seven churches, all right? Now, when he's done addressing the seven churches at the end of chapter three, we never come across the church again. That's it. The only time we see the church is a bunch of redeemed people in heaven because we believe the rapture has happened. All right, so the church is not on earth anymore. Starting with chapter four, John goes into straight prophecy. And the Lord Jesus shows him exactly what's gonna come on the earth, particularly in the time period 
called the Great Tribulation, the seven-year Great Tribulation time period. That's what John sees. So for seven years, the worst tribulation to ever rock the planet happened. Now we know that it comes by way of 21 different judgments, all right? 21, and they come in groups of seven. There's the seal judgments, trumpet judgments, and the bowl judgments. And to my discernment or my studying or my opinion is they get worse. So they grow or they increase in intensity until you're kind of amazed there's much left at the end of those 21 judgments. And the bottom line is not much is left. All right? Because it's darkest before the dawn. So we've also seen skipping forward is that ancient Rome is gonna be revived in the last days. And it will consist of a 10 nation confederacy or a beast with 10 heads. We've seen that this has already begun through the European Union of today. Now this is a lot of information, but you've got to track with me because John is predicting that the old Roman Empire or the characteristics of it is going to be resurrected in the last days. It's going to reappear in the last days. Well, what was ancient Rome like? It was tyrannical. It was oppressive. It was dictatorial. It was godless. It was ruthless. It was controlling. And it covered the whole known world of that day. That Rome is going to reappear under the leadership of the one called the Antichrist. And his rule, which will last seven years, is going to be just like old Rome in its characteristics. Oppressive, tyrannical, dictatorial, ruthless, godless, you name it. That's what it's going to look like on planet Earth. So the European Union seems to be the best bet for the resurrection of ancient Rome. It seems to me it's a good candidate. I'm real hesitant to stand up here and say definitively it's going to be the European Union because we don't know exactly what Revelation is predicting until we're looking at it when it comes to things like what will the reappeared Rome look like? Well, it's a good guess that it's going to come under the guise of the European Union because Rome is Europe and it's going to be resurrected. European Union, a great candidate. European Union began with 10 full member nations. You remember that beast with 10 heads? And this political entity may very well be what the Antichrist will seize and use in order to gain power during the Great Tribulation. Now, we also observed what John called the Great Harlot. You remember the Great Harlot? What in the world is the Great Harlot? It's an apostate religious system pictured as a woman riding atop a beast. That's what John saw. So the harlot is going to be religious and the beast itself political. The harlot will appear beautiful on the outside, but be wicked and vile within. And this harlot is seen to be drunk with the blood of God's saints. So beautiful on the outside, but diabolical, wicked 
persecuting the church, persecuting believers on the inside, martyring, killing, murdering God's people. And this harlot, this religious system that is apostate, that has a form of godliness, but denies the power thereof, will be the vehicle used by Antichrist, who is the beast, to persecute and kill true believers. All right? So amazingly, it's a woman riding atop a beast that the European Union has selected as their symbol. What are the odds? When you go to select a symbol to represent you, you have a million possibles. How in the world would the European Union decide on a woman atop a beast? I mean, what are the odds? I'm just saying it could be that that's the vehicle European Union Antichrist will use, seize control of, to exercise his power during that seven-year tribulation period. John's description of the harlot carried on the back of the beast suggests a demonic duo, one political, the other religious. So you've got the Antichrist and what Revelation identifies as the false prophet. Works right alongside Antichrist. That false prophet is a religious figure overseeing a religious movement. But it will not be of God. It will not be of Christ. It will not be centered around the word of God. It will be apostate. It will look impressive, but it will be apostate. That is, have nothing to do, have denounced and renounced the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. So a demonic duo, antichrist political, the false prophet, who I think could be a pope. If you're a raised Catholic, I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend you, but it could be a pope. Because who else has the ear of the world religiously other than, or in a greater way than the Pope? I can't think of any. And you know, not every Pope has been exactly what you would hope for, right? So, but their demonic union will not last. John closes chapter 17 with this. He says, the angel said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages telling us that the influence of this apostate religious system will touch the entire world. The beast, that's the antichrist, and the 10 horns, which is the 10 nations that join with the antichrist during the great tribulation, will hate the prostitute, says John. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to give the beast their power to rule until God's words are fulfilled. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth, Rome. So here's what is going on during the great tribulation. At the beginning of the tribulation, the antichrist will step onto the stage of the world. And he will begin to exercise power over the world. He will be joined by a religious leader who will, according to the Bible, go so far as to call fire out of heaven. He will perform signs and wonders so that the world goes after him. And he's pointing to Antichrist. He's sort of like a demonic John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and said, behold, the Lamb of God, there's your guy. This false prophet will point to Antichrist and say, there's your guy. And I'm doing these miracles to attest to the fact that he's your guy. And he will bewitch the world with these signs and wonders. But halfway through the tribulation period, when the Antichrist will turn on the harlot religious system, 
probably because he wants to be the center of worship himself. The Antichrist is a narcissist in all caps, squared to the hundredth power. He is your ultimate narcissist. And he will turn on this religious system halfway through when he walks into the rebuilt temple, into the Holy of Holies, and sits down and says, I am God. Clearly, he's ready to be the one worshiped, and he doesn't want any other form of worship on the earth. And so he totally destroys the apostate religious system and sets himself up as the number one deity to be worshiped. I know you can't amen that, but agree with me, heavy stuff. We'll get back to Pastor Jeff in a moment to close out today's program. But first, I wanna share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to share the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ in a way that gets hardwired into your life. And we trust these messages from Pastor Jeff aren't something you can only listen to and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear. And that's why it's a priority to us. And you get to join us in this important mission. Call us at 877-884-3111 to say you're in. Or drop us a line at our website, hardwired.org. Well, here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. Just when the world is resting in a false security, Antichrist, as I've just said, will break his covenant with Jewish people, walk into the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem and desecrate it by declaring himself to be God. And it'll be televised all over the world. The whole world will hear him say, I am God. They will hear it said. And this is what Daniel and Jesus both call the abomination of desolation. Jesus warned, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, for then there shall be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Because as soon as he says, I am God, everything is set in motion for the final great war of mankind, the war of Armageddon in the valley of Megiddo. And that is gonna be so bad that if Christ didn't return to stop it, no flesh would be saved. Now, whereas chapter 17 reveals the appearance of the great harlot and an apostate religious system and her destruction at the hands of Antichrist in Revelation chapter 17 is really presenting to us spiritual Babylon, right? Because it will be confusion. To be a part of that great tribulation apostate church, you can be anything you want to be. You can be Buddhist, you can be Muslim, you can be a tree hugger, you can be any religion you want, you can believe anything you want. The whole message of this apostate religious system is going to be love. We need to come together under the banner of love and just love one another. You believe what you want, I'll believe it. It's the bumper sticker, coexist. I look at that bumper sticker and I think that's a stupid, I hope you don't have it. If you have it, I'm sorry. I'm not meaning to offend anybody, but it's the stupidest thing in all the world because every religion on it declares to be the only way and they're not about to coexist. But here's the deal. That will be the bumper sticker for the last day's apostate religious system headed up by the false prophet. That will be, they might as well keep that bumper sticker hanging around and distribute it 
during the seven-year tribulation period because that's going to be how the false prophet brings everybody together. Let's just coexist. Let's just love one another. Can't we all just get along? Right? I'm not going to judge you. You don't judge me. We won't judge each other. We're under the banner of love. But it will be wicked to the core and it will persecute true believers all over the world. So in chapter 17, you have the Babylonian or the Babylon religious system. But in chapter 18, everybody, you've got a real city that is going to be there during the Great Tribulation. And guess what? Babylon is going to be rebuilt. Babylon. Everybody say, ba 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 Babel. Right? And when you see Babylon, it means confusion. Confusion. All right? I can't understand you. You can't understand me. It's confusion. And so, let's talk a minute about Babylon. There are two Babylons in the Bible. As already mentioned, there is a spiritual Babylon. All right? The apostate religious church of the last days that I believe I'm watching form right now. Oh, we see it forming right now. All right? And there is a literal physical Babylon, a capital city accompanied by a system and a culture that comes under judgment before Christ returns. This city of Babylon will be the central business center of the Antichrist. You remember in Revelations 2 where Jesus talks about a church or he's addressing a church and he, I think it's Pergamos, and he said, Pergamos is the throne of Satan, or it's where Satan is enthroned. All right, that was then. But now, in the Great Tribulation, the rebuilt Babylon is going to be the throne of Satan, the central place of the Antichrist, his business center in the Great Tribulation period. A literal city of Babylon is going to be the center. We note that from Genesis to Revelation, the name Babylon has come up again and again and again. Let's look at it. Babylon was founded by the first world dictator. What was his name? Nimrod. It's mentioned over 300 times in the Bible. Many of the prophecies concerning this fascinating city have not yet been fulfilled. I'm going to say that again. If the Bible predicts something, folks, you can stake your life on it. It's going to happen. And there are prophecies about Babylon, a rebuilt Babylon, that have not yet been fulfilled. That means they will be. They await the timing of God. The prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah each spend two chapters detailing the catastrophic destruction that awaits this city. The result of the final devastation will leave it uninhabitable even the building materials are never going to be reused. It's going to have Ichabod written all over it. This clearly has never happened in the history of Babylon. It's never happened. So it's going to happen. So we need to pay attention to it. Babylon is referred to as a literal city, a literal physical great city, five times in chapter 18. Five times of the book of Revelation. Most prophecy scholars believe that the Babylon of chapter 18 is going to be a literal rebuilt city. And I'm going to show you that's more than likely, really almost inarguably true. Based on John's vivid description of her destruction, it has to be a literal city. If so, it may very well be talking about the Babylon currently located in Iraq. Did you know that? 
There's a Babylon right now located in Iraq. If you ever wonder why Iraq is so much in the world news or why Iraq has been such an area of satanic activity and satanic attack and just really some really bad stuff. Have you ever wondered why it's such a focal point? Well, most people have no idea the crucial role Iraq has played in the Bible. Let me give you some examples. Now, when I talk about Iraq and the examples I'm giving now, I'm talking about the landmass, the geographical landmass that we now call Iraq. It might have been like, for instance, ancient Persia. The ancient landmass of Persia is today Iran and Iraq. So when I talk about Iraq right now, I'm talking about the geographical location that we have called Iraq for a long time now. The Garden of Eden was in Iraq. Genesis 2, 10 to 14. Adam and Eve were created in Iraq. Genesis 2, 7 to 8. Just you know Satan made his first recorded appearance in the world in Iraq when he approached Eve in the garden. Nimrod established Babylon and the Tower of Babel in Iraq. And that is where God confused them by the languages. The confusion of the languages took place in Iraq. So that's why we call it Babylon. What's Babylon? You babble on and on and on. Further, Abraham came from a city in Iraq. Isaac's bride came from Iraq. I almost wanted to say, can any good thing come out of Iraq? Yes. And that was Isaac's bride. Jacob spent 20 years in Iraq. The first world empire, Babylon, was in Iraq. It was in Iraq that Daniel was thrown to the lions, and it was in Iraq that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the burning, fiery oven. The greatest revival in history was in a city in Iraq, Nineveh. Nineveh was in Iraq, the landmass of Iraq, and the greatest revival in world history with the least amount of preaching necessary to make it happen. I think Jonah's message was like eight words, and that's it. He just preached it all through Nineveh, and they repented. About a century later, they came under judgment, but in the meantime, they repented. The events of the book of Esther took place in Iraq. Ezekiel was there when the glory of God was seen in its fullness by the Kiber River. Babylon was in Iraq, and the book of Nahum took place in Iraq. So Iraq is all through the Bible. It's a very significant place. But guess what? It's the beginning of satanic evil. The beginning of satanic evil was in Iraq because that's where the devil first showed up. So in Iraq, we see the beginning of creation, but in Iraq, we also see the beginning of satanic evil in that place called Iraq. No wonder Iraq is on the world stage like it is. Things began here, and guess what? Things may very well end there. You thought, well, I thought everything was gonna end in America because everything's all about America. I don't even find America in Bible prophecy, but I find Iraq everywhere. Perhaps this is why such ferocious battles have taken place in Iraq. Now, will Iraq therefore flourish again? Yes. And will it play a key role in end time prophecy? Yes. Will America? No, but Iraq will. Many people are unaware of this. Let me give you some facts about modern day Iraq. In 1983, good old Saddam Hussein started rebuilding Babylon on top of the old ruins, investing in its restoration 
and it's new construction. Now remember the Bible said it's got to reappear. Babylon, we're talking about Babylon. It was destroyed centuries and centuries ago. It's got to reappear. Most people don't know Saddam Hussein began rebuilding it. In 1985, he began the task, spending over $500 million to reconstruct the city and build a modern residence on the ruins of Nebuchadnezzar's palace. Because who ruled in Babylon? Nebuchadnezzar. We appreciate you listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Every program we do has one main thing in mind, and that's to share the hope and good news of Jesus Christ to people who need to hear this message and hardwire the teaching into their daily life. That's what this ministry is all about. So if you've been encouraged by the message, we would love to hear about it. Pick up your phone and give us a call at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. Or go online to our website at hardwired.org. And be sure to bookmark the web address to your favorites folder so you can come back often. Also, would you consider getting on board with us as a faithful ministry partner? Your valuable contribution makes a big difference to us in helping to get the message of the gospel out through this program to people everywhere. Your generosity along with this ministry is reaching people in a way that you may never have the ability to do on your own. So jump on board as a hardwired partner by calling us at 877-884-3111 or go online to hardwired.org, 877-884-3111 or hardwired.org. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you so very, very much. Have a great rest of the day and thanks for listening to Hardwired. Hardwired.